I am Roy Malloy and you're listening to The Dawn of Crime, a podcast that is of the same name as the book series The Dawn of Crime, um, which I wrote in dedication to the true crime biographies of people, places, faces and things that happened between about the 1890s to the 1930s. This is a special edition podcast, this is one of the extras that I'm making on a weekly basis. Um, these will happen on kind of, you know, a couple of days after the interviews with uh, historians wherever I can find them. And um, th- this uh, particular edition is going to be about the gangs of Melbourne, one of my favourite topics. And I will admit, I am also equally fascinated by the gangs of Sydney and every other capital. Um, there was some incredible activity in Perth, um, same time period. But uh, certainly the gangs of Melbourne sem- seem to have a seem to have an intensity that the other states just didn't have and uh, certainly they gave rise to some incredible people but uh, this, um, I'm going to be talking a little bit about the weaponry of the gangs of Melbourne my next book comes out in only seven days from now so that's on the at the end of September and it's called aptly the gangs of Melbourne and it's the fourth edition of the dawn of crime and it's looking at push gangs uh, some of the people who were in those push gangs and the things that they did that literally terrorised Melbourne. Um, and so first of all, I'm going to be looking at um, the weapons in, in this podcast. Um, and some of the weapons that the gangs were using in, in and of that day, uh, we don't even have anymore. I mean, th- this first one I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, I, I've never known a single person who owns a blackjack. A blackjack, you say? Correct. And uh, I, know, I only know a blackjack as a card game um, until I did this research. So blackjack is, um, you're kind of imagining a wooden spoon, a big wooden spoon shape made of leather. Possibly, possibly with a disc of wood in the end part. So take two pieces of thick um, cowhide and they put a disc of wood or sometimes stone in the end and then they stitch them together so the end has weight and you can belt someone I mean like really just just smash them you're gonna really snot them with this thing and it will knock them out but because of the leather it's less likely to cut their skin and less likely to truly do damage I don't know it's it's hard to really how do you how do you measure this I'm sure there's been studies on it but uh, I don't know I, I, I don't remember Mythbusters building each other with these things but the, the blackjack or the billy club is another name for it. Um, Beaver tail is another one. It's got a huge string of nicknames that go with this. But um, it, it dates back to um, Roman periods. It's an ancient weapon. Uh, and it really only kind of fell out of use when the crooks had better weapons. <laughs> and for those of you playing along at home who aren't in Australia or England, um, Australia and England famously didn't have guns on police until very recently. Um, Australian coppers were armed with, with uh, guns in, the, I believe, the late 90s, and England even more recently. Um, so, you know, having, having one of these things, a, a nice stick as it became, is the modern translation. And so then this brings me to the next weapon of choice is going to be the knuckle duster. I'm not sure if many of you be aware of this fun fact, but the uh, the bodyguard, one of the principal bodyguards who was beside Abraham Lincoln on one of his tours, uh, had a 
knuckle duster. Like the, and it was so you're imagining four rings in which his four fingers slid. On the external side is a small bridge and then a, a steel bar that goes the width of his hand. So if he punched you, you're really being punched with the strength of his arm, but what's connecting with you isn't the softness and breadth of an entire fist. It is uh, simply a bar of metal. Um, so look, I'm looking at this now, and it would, if it hit you in the mouth, you would lose every tooth from canine to canine up and down. So there's, there's a, a fun and, uh, I will say, grim little bit of trivia for you. But as far as a, a weapon, a piece of kit in the arsenal of weapons that were probably carried by every push gang member that can be found, uh, they, these are, they're not new. So it's, a, it's actually an Indian device. Um, it was made by, made by Sikhs uh, from northern India in the 18th century. That's uh, so where it kind of finds its, its origins. Uh, it really became popular during the American Civil War in the 1890s. Um, and so then, sorry, the American Civil War wasn't in the 1890s. I'm reading my notes. <laughs> I skipped ahead. But in 1890, <laughs> in Melbourne, a case of knuckle dusters was seized by customs. And a company who was a fishing monger, um, they, they, a group of boatmen, they, they got charged for importing them. And they had, had to answer a whole lot of questions as to why do you guys need that many knuckle dusters. I've never really needed one. Um, let alone a whole case of them, but they were working on the wharfs, and it pretty pretty quickly became apparent it was about wharf fights. So there, there's another one. So the knuckle duster. So then we're going to look at pistols, and um, pistols were a pretty standard part of criminal warfare. But uh, you know, you, you say to yourself, well, where do these guns come from? If Australia, as I said, is a country that didn't have, um, you know, guns even on their police, well, World War One is probably the answer to that. Uh, the Boer War, certainly uh, 1904, we had troops coming back who were given in some cases the arms that they had at war. Um, we were very much a hunting country back then. Shooting rabbits was a pastime. Now I'm 45 and the year is 2020. And I know that when I was in high school, quite easily you'd say to a group of mates, do any of your dads have a gun? And uh, I, I remember actually saying that. And it was sitting around a lounge room and two of my mates' dads had guns in cupboards at home. Um, and that was just how it was, you know. Uh, but when World War I came uh, and finished, with the returning soldiers, there was a huge amount of armaments come back and be distributed into, civil, uh, into civilian lifestyle. And they were handguns. Primarily, um, there were 10 particular pistols that came back. Um, of them, uh, you know, there, there were USA and you know, Japanese or Asian guns, but really in Australia we had access to the Webley and the Webley W-E-B sorry W-E-B-L-E-Y the Webley is you're thinking it really does look like your, I don't know maybe it's just that I'm used to seeing it because I am in Australia but the Webley was that revolver that looks like a revolver to me um, so you know the, it, it's, um, it's a six shooter and you load them in the back but they fell very quickly into the hands of so many crooks um, and so, you know, that, that's what we ended up with, was pistols in uh, push gangs. Now, the last, last little <laughs> fun bit I'm going to add to this is a slingshot. Now, it doesn't sound like a whole lot, because I, I know when I was a kid, my brothers and I would routinely, at every opportunity, we'd find a, a V and a branch, we'd cut it, 
we'd add a fistful of rubber bands to either part of it and then we'd thatch something between them that looked like, I don't know, a little cradle that you'd put a rock in or a marble and you'd shoot it, I possibly travelled as fast as 60 kilometres an hour um, and, and it would do some damage. Um, so, you know, a slingshot from us, that, that's what I remember it being, but rubber really is a very new invention. It's, um, its ability to be a rubber band, really, again, that's a kind of World War One onwards luxury. But um, prior to that, slingshots have been around for quite a long time. They've got a reputation of being easy to put in your pocket. You can conceal them easily. And the original... Uh, original slingshots, man, they could uh, had a reputation for being able to kill giants. So it's one of those weapons that goes right, right back. And it was different to the V-shaped wooden slingshot um, with the rubber that I'm talking about. But also is that um, push gangs have been using slingshots for uh, as long as they had been around. It was a quick and easy weapon that they had access to and what they do is they take two lengths of any kind of cord or rope or anything that was, you know, that kind of thing. And again, in the middle, they tie a small piece of fabric. They take a, a rock that needed to be a weight of about, about 200 grams, which is almost heading towards a quarter of a kilogram. If you're ever wondering also how to measure weight, a lot of people say, oh, it was you know, 500 grams or... 750 grams remember that a litre of water is almost exactly the same weight as a kilogram so they're, they're almost they're not exactly but they're almost hand in hand so anytime somebody says to me half a kilogram I think of half a litre of milk <laughs> that's my standard way of processing that so when you're looking at something that's about 200 grams it's maybe a fifth of a litre of milk does that make sense anyway so it needed to be big enough that it wouldn't get lost in the fold of the little cradle you're putting it in. So then you're swinging this thing around your head, holding onto the two pieces of string. When you want it to fire, you let go of one of the pieces of string. So you'd wait till it was swinging in the direction you want it to fire in when you let go of one of the pieces of string. It's that simple. So slingshots became a, a very quick, easy-to-use piece of um, you know, weaponry for the push gangs because the other, the other thing that they loved carrying and they were very well known for was a pocket full of rocks. They are endlessly available. Pebbles even, doesn't matter. But if you have 10, 10 rocks in each pocket, each rock the same size as your thumb, there's plenty of stories of members of a push gang walking along they do or say something offensive or objectionable and the person they've said it to that they get offended if they challenge them back they instantly come under a hail of rocks now let's also remember you say oh, they threw a rock at you bad luck well just remember also it's um again go back hundreds and hundreds of years there's a culture of being stoned to death the singular pebble that killed the giant <laughs> is just one. So it's, it's actually a really formidable thing to go up against, particularly when you've got six to ten guys all throwing rocks at you at full pelt. So push gangs were renowned for carrying fistfuls of rocks in each pocket and also then a bit of string with a, a cloth cradle that is a slingshot. 
Um, so th this has just been a, a small grab bag <laughs> of the weapons that have been made and used by push gangs throughout our, our, our history. This then doesn't also take into account the odd and less usual weapons that include, um, you know, uh, things like I came across an article today that was talking about a push gang member and he used a uh, bayonet from a World War One. I guess a rifle uh, and he almost severed a guy's hand completely off in the 1930s um, so you know there's, there is certainly all those things and then you look quick, quite quickly over to the um, razor gangs of New South Wales who were slicing and dicing each other with razors heftily um, so the gangs of the push uh, the, pu the weapons of the push gang I find fascinating as well and it's the little things that you perhaps wouldn't even think about I have enjoyed this. My name is Roy Malloy, and I would love you guys to check out my Facebook page because, guys, on my Facebook page, I will be posting a promo for The Gangs of Melbourne, the book. In the book, I'm talking about the Squizzy Taylor push where he and his brother Claude terrorised um, parts of Melbourne. I'm talking about gangs in most states as well as Melbourne. But I'm also talking about instances where you just things beyond belief happen I mean you can't you can't make this stuff up it is craziness but in this book I also have a really fun and interesting launch coming up where one of the key pieces one of the key key profiles is going to be uh, revealed in a major publication uh, one of the biggest history magazines in Australia is running a segment from the book it's traces magazine so jump on Facebook and like traces magazine as well um, and do grab the copy where I, I have the reveal of one of the key biographies from the Gangs of Melbourne in the next edition of Traces magazine. Uh, I've been Roy Malloy. Please do make sure you check out the other books uh, which are available online and like my Facebook page. Stay safe and keep listening.